If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning! Happy Monday. It's the 18th of December 2023 already. Uh, and that puts me in a very good mood because I'm not a keen fan of December and it's moving on really quickly. And uh, I love January. I love the new year. For me, it's what it's all about. It's saying goodbye to the past. It's putting all future intentions in. It's saying anything is possible and we are nearly there. Uh, I've had a lovely weekend with my kids. It was so nice, full of activities. The only thing I would complain about is that I couldn't have a lion. Uh, I had to set my alarm both days to get up and take them to their various things. So do you know what I'm most looking forward to Christmas? I am going to have a lion, you know, and I might even be really cheeky uh, and uh, uh, say to them, they have to give me breakfast in bed. I might even stay till like one or two o'clock just, just for the sake of it, just because I just because I can. And uh, I was also going to say it's about the simple things in life. Uh, yesterday, I uh, put on fresh, I went and bought myself some new fresh clean bedding. And to me, there is nothing better. It's one of the best feelings when you get into bed at night in that uh, you've got fresh clean bedding. And because uh, we're always uh, told to focus on the doom and gloom in this world. And sometimes, you know what, it's the simple things. Uh, we're, we're not told to appreciate uh, the things that we actually do have and the small joys can make a difference. And I tell you, if Mike Ryan would have let me, I would have kept up snuggled this morning in my bed uh, and done the show from there because I was so happy this morning. But no, uh, I, I am here. I'm in front of my green screen. I am being professional. Uh, I did get out of bed. It, uh, it was very, very difficult. It took a hell of a lot of motivation this morning, but I am here. We are TNT. This is open line, uh, uncensored as usual. And uh, yeah, I will bring something important to the table now. Uh, this is a warning, actually, for all parents. Uh, this is really, really important. I got a letter, and I mean, when I say email, I mean, it is unindated. It's incessant from the school with vaccination letters. It is ridiculous. Each one comes with a consent form. This new one uh, was for a year nine tetanus, diphtheria and polio booster. Again, I do not consent. I normally write rude things on the reply. I phone the school uh, and um, my kids know uh, not to take a vaccination at all. They're as anti-vaxxers. I am after the last couple of years, but I did want to point this out. I will put the link as well because I put this letter on X. Uh, but we've heard of Gillick's competence before. This was the actual wording in the new letter. Please be aware that it is possible for a young person to seek to self-consent on the day which will override your decision. Those are the actual words in the letter that has come from the NHS. Now, for me, people were saying, keep your kids off school for the day. Uh, my kids are as loud and outspoken as me. I don't have to worry about them at all, um, that they will never consent to a vaccine, but there will be other vulnerable children. And uh, I'd say about informed consent here, how can a 13 or 14 year old child possibly consent uh, to any medical procedure and really understand what they're signing up to? So very sinister. Um, I'm gonna put it on the, the letter on the online chat. Tell uh, your friends, tell your family, make sure you're aware that they are trying to push this in schools. You know, they're not even allowed to give them cowpole without a signature. Suddenly, they're trying to push a vaccination on them. So yeah, um, 
do what you can is all I say. And uh, time now to say hello to the wonderful Rick Munn and Gemma Cooper after this quick break at TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, I'll just put the link in there. Morning, guys. How are we doing this morning? Gemma, I'll let you answer that question first. <laughs> Not so great. Not so great, Aww. it has to be said, Natalie. Yeah, I have got something not very nice that three years ago, I've just said this to Dean Mackin a few hours ago here on TNT, three years ago, three and a half years ago, they would have gone, get her to a ventilator, get her to a ventilator, isolate, isolate, you know, because it's something upper respiratory, coughing, spluttering, wheezing, things that, you, you know, would have landed me in a leprosy camp, you know, a few years ago, a cold, obviously, but yeah, not feeling, not feeling, uh, not feeling a hundred percent today. I have to say, I think it's clouding my judgment a bit. I, I would say, you know, I, I was ill. Rick was ill. Now you're ill. If they could get away with it and they could uh, uh, make up, believe some digital virus uh, that 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 could get through, uh, that looks like it's what's happening on TNT. But we're not going to give them any ideas, are we, Rick? No, we're definitely not going to give them ideas. But listen, uh, hang in there, Jim. Uh, you are the trooper Cooper, as uh, you know, you have to yes. live up to that name of yours. You can't wilt on us, at least not for the next uh, 10 minutes anyway. We need you here. TNT needs you. The world needs you. Up and at them, round to go and be a professional like Natalie. First step, get your ass out of bed in the morning. <laughs> that is the first step of professionalism, especially on live radio slash TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we managed that this morning when we're all here, so that's a, we're doing well. And what story have you got for us this morning, Gemma? Well, I, I you know, before we do go into the story that I, I've chosen, I've chosen it because it kind of has created a bit of a row in, in France, actually, of all places. I thought we should just mention, we talked about her last week, didn't we, Rick? We talked about mm -hmm. Michelle Mon, Monet, Baroness, mm -hmm. and her PPE contract from which she made a lot of money. And it's it's absolutely doing the rounds today. It's not a new story. This this story actually broke yesterday. But the reaction it's garnered, I think, is worthy of a, a mention because they they went on the BBC, her and her husband, you know, Baroness Monet and her rich businessman husband to kind of defend their behavior over the whole PPE contract thing. And and everyone is talking. I mean, I've only just managed to foray myself into the world of X and social media. And everyone's saying, you know, who advised them to do this? Prince Andrew. And it's just such an example of another car crash interview uh, where people who are so far removed from society and so far up their own narcissistic backsides <laughs> think that they can go on and say whatever they want and nobody will see through it. And um, it's trending massively at the moment. And I thought we'd give it a, an honorary mention and it's something to cheer mm -hmm. myself up because you and I did. We broke this story last week anyway. She was claiming the mm -hmm. victimhood and saying, We've done nothing wrong. We've done nothing wrong. Now they've gone on national television and reiterated it, and it's gone hideously, horribly wrong. But I think the question that should have been asked, of course, which wasn't, it's all focusing on them, which I'm sure they're loving, um, is why the government awarded that contract in the first place, why it was awarding contracts to mates, you know, why, why a baroness and all of that stuff. Those are the real questions behind these ridiculous headlines, um, you know, which maybe some decent journalists will actually end up investigating. But yeah, that story is trending and uh, I'm quite sort of giving me a bit of a humour lift this morning because they really are absolutely despicable people. There we go. Yeah. Um, but the story I've uh, chosen... 
and it might be because I'm not feeling great and my judgment's a bit off, but this story's broken in France and I thought it was worth a wider discussion about what constitutes femininity, not about what is a woman. We, we go into that quite regularly here on TNT. Um, but there was a, a beauty contest in France at the weekend, Miss France, and uh, a huge row erupted because the winner, a very beautiful woman, uh, young woman, um, was crowned the winner Miss France, but she's got short hair. And oh my God, quel horreur! You know, half of France has gone mad at this and saying, you know, the previous winners were all curvy with long flowing locks, and and this this woman, it's all gone woke. It's she's too androgynous, and uh, and and even the MPs in France have waded in. You know, some in her defence. And I just thought maybe it's worth a discussion about you know femininity uh, and this Stepford concept of uh, beauty, long hair, curves, in real women, real women. We're talking here. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, is this a good thing? It's a move away from, we talk about the rise of the divine feminine and the balance that's kind of shifting in society as we try and find this new way forward, which we're all hoping to move to, this new world we're all trying to build. And I kind of wondered, you know, just to throw it out there, it's not necessarily a new story, more of a talking point, but is this a good thing, you know, a step in the right direction for women? Because beauty pageants are hideous things, hideous, you know, invented by men, the male gaze, the whole thing. Um, nothing to do with women at all. So I personally think this is good and I'm glad it's gone a bit viral and I'm glad it's created this row. But I just really wondered, you know, on this Monday morning, let's have a conversation. Let's see what you guys think. Shall I start, Rick, or do you want to? Yep. You, 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 you shall I go you for it? To, yep. Yep. Uh, I, I think uh, she, she did look an absolutely beautiful woman. And I think the main mm. important thing for me that she was a biological woman. I yes. don't care if her hair's short. I don't care if her hair's long. I don't care if she's skinny. I don't I don't care even if people have got these problems of, oh, you can't be models if you've got too much white and you. I don't care. It's a show about women or a, or a contest, and, it, and it's a woman winning it. And I did check the Daily Mail comments as well section, and actually I was surprised. I thought they were going to be more like, oh, she doesn't look like a, a traditional like beauty pageant woman, and it wasn't. They were, she's stunning. She's She's attractive, well done, or like Audrey Hepburn-esque. You know, they were all really, really positive. And I think for me, part of the gender ideology is, is this idea uh, that to be a male, you have to be big and strong and look a certain way. And to be a feminine, you need to, to be a woman, you need to have long hair. And this is the idea of uh, uh, people who are, think they're in the wrong body. When they change, if you notice, they always head for the exact uh, kind of uh, those distinctions, the very manly man or the very female female. Do you know what? Just be yourself. And if she's a woman and she felt beautiful and she was a beautiful woman and she wants to have a short haircut, good on her. If you want to be a, a tomboy when you grow up, be, you know, or when you're a child, fine. If, you know, if you want to be a camp go out in your gate, whatever, basically. I think that it's the distinctions that are causing the problem, Rick, that you have to be a certain way. Yeah, uh, the, <clears throat> the most heartening thing about this story for me is that a woman actually won a woman's competition. Uh, I was half expecting, you know, further down in that article to say, actually, he was born uh, Joe Bloggs yes. in uh, Clacton upon Sea. But thankfully, that wasn't the case. So thankfully, uh, you know, common sense has prevailed here and an actual woman has won this competition. And yes, as long as she's a she's a woman, she's female, well, then, you know, crack on, come whatever way you want. Uh, a lot of people, for example, you see these 
debates all the time about uh, I I hate women with tattoos and I don't like women yeah. with glasses and this that and the other. The bottom line is uh, beauty they say is in the eye of the beholder and this is a judged competition as well. Don't forget. So I don't know however many people were involved in judging this, but if you swatch switched off the judging panel and for example put the three of us in there. I, the result may well have been different. It's just people's opinions at the end of the day and fair play to her uh, for not conforming to the norms when she came in, not trying to look maybe like every other contestant that was there, even though I don't know what the rest of them looked like. But strangely, Gemma, uh, there was another story flashed up in my news feed this morning. Uh, the woman who won Miss America in 1924, <laughs> it showed you a picture of her, and her hair, it looked like she'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. And she was the winner of Miss America in 1921-24. But at the time, she was trying to be a little bit avant-garde and different, you know, instead of having, you know, perfectly straight hair. So it just goes to show beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And if you leave it anything in the hands of judges, i.e. other people, you're always going to get different sets of results depending on who's judging it. So as long as she's a woman and she won the competition, fair enough. And also good point about, uh, you know, it was really these competitions were really designed by men for the for the purposes of men. Don't forget, though, women have a choice whether or not they enter them or not, a bit like uh, competing against men in female sports. They have a choice whether or not to enter them or not. And of course, some of them can go on uh, and have careers off of the back of this. They can use it uh, for their own opportunities too, if they're a little bit savvy. But yes, woman won it. And uh, yeah, why not? But why, why not I give it to her? Uh, good luck to her. I hope she does well. I would also say there's been an argument, like Gemma said, for a long time about whether they are sexist, whether kind of men put these in place. But I would say for the most part, the women that nowadays uh, put themselves forward actually really want to do it. It tends to be women that are into fitness, uh, like, yeah, like not like me down at down the gym, like like take a lot of uh, pride in their appearance. It's, it's, it's something that they actually enjoy personally. I couldn't stand, like Gemma said, to be put on 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 a pedestal to be judged on my looks and uh, I couldn't think of anything worse but uh, it's like anything in society for me it's freedom of choice if the women entering these competitions are doing it with their own informed consent I have no problem with the competition if however you found out you've got people behind them whether that be parents or uh, partners pushing them in to do it that's a whole different matter but if they're if they want to do it themselves Gemma do you think that's okay I think in this day and age, it's a much more of a choice because there are so many options open to women now. Thank God. Uh, I think in the 50s and 60s, when these pageants were first invented, that the, your only currency as a woman was your appearance. And so you had to milk it for as much as you could. You, you know, that was your stock in trade. And I would argue in society, uh, it still is actually to a certain point. The very fact that a short haired Miss France can make the headlines like this shows that appearance still is a huge thing. For women in our culture, it is how we're judged, unfortunately. And if you if you are found wanting in that judgment, you're you're you have to work a lot harder in society actually to make your mark. So I think now there is a lot of element of choice involved because you can choose lots of different careers. But I think you know, cast your mind back just a few decades, and women's only power in society, really in Western society, was the way she looked. And that was the, all you had to trade on. So we've come a long way, but I do think there is a long way to go, just by virtue of the fact that this headline is a headline short hair winner that shouldn't really be a headline should it not really it shouldn't really be a talking point but it is and it has gone viral and it's got mps involved so that shows how much still i think women are judged 
on what they look like. Interestingly, in the article, there's a photograph of this very beautiful 20-year-old woman who won with long hair, and it really doesn't suit her. Short hair is what suits her. She looks great. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I, I won't fuel it anymore because it is a headline about a haircut, but yeah. it's a headline nevertheless, nevertheless. Mm. And, and I would say, Rick, um, you can see if you go back on that Daily Mail article, there's a picture of all of the contestants. And I think it's, I don't know, it looked about 25. All other 24 contestants mm-hmm. looked exactly the same to mm-hmm. me. Same limp hair, same, same, bit of it, same makeup. You know, they say nowadays when you look at when you look at women, they're all filtered by Snapchat with the big lips mm-hmm. and the big, you know, like it was nice. It's nice to see somebody one who was a bit different. We like nonconformity. Uh, we like people standing up to to the system so well done that woman i say so thank you Gemma, for bringing that story to put to us uh, lots more to cover here at tnt don't go away you should hear what ross cameron is talking about i see there's a new trend taking place sweeping uh the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks where you go for a walk without your iphone without uh, a headset and just alone with your thoughts apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing but subsequently liberating uh, certainly i find if i get into a motor vehicle with a teenager it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, taylor swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus we are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Welcome back. Remember to get on our brilliant online chat, busy as usual. And you can live stream us on any of the good major platforms because you can see our pretty faces too. Uh, we've got a story here, a local one uh, from the Royal Berkshire Hospital Foundation. And uh, the, basically all their systems went wrong over uh, the weekend, I think it was. 
and uh, they had to actually discharge people, it says, using a pen and paper. Uh, so nothing's been updated. And I thought I'd also uh, share this story because I'm supposed to be there today. I've got uh, one of my uh, emergency eye appointments to check the bleed in my eye. Now, normally I'd receive a text message to say, don't forget your appointment. Well, I've not received one. So let's see when I turn up later, if I get turned away or if I'm told uh, that the whole glitch in the system means I no longer have an appointment. But the important thing about this story, which I just think was dreadful, is they put warnings out uh, all over uh, Twitter, X and uh, uh, all signs all over the hospital saying, please try not to go to A&E because basically we won't be able to deal with you. So uh, I'm kind of a bit like, do you know what, Rick? Most people try not to have an emergency or an accident generally, don't they? I mean, I don't go out this morning and think, do you know what? I'm going to try and trip up and go down to A&E just to cause them a problem. But no, they've actually put warnings out. Please don't go, don't go to A&E unless you're physically dying. Uh, please go to a pharmacy, it says, or what was it? Phone NHS 111 or find another urgent care centre. So uh, hopefully for me and my kids, nothing will happen in the next couple of days because uh, the uh, Reading A&E is out of use. Yeah, the thing about it is too, Natalie, let's be honest about it. Even if you have a life-threatening injury, you still don't want to go to any anyway. You're probably going to be stuck in an ambulance ramp for how knows how long. Then you're going to be admitted. Yeah, There's probably going to be time. a lot of dr drunks knocking around the place. And then you might have the pleasure of sitting in a trolley uh, for up to three days with maybe no food <laughs> or water while you still suffer in pain, only to be told at the end of that, here, have two paracetamol, uh, go home and come back again if the symptoms don't get any better better. So whether or not even you, you have a life-threatening condition or not, I don't think anybody wants to go anywhere near A&E departments at the minute. And you know what? That could be part of the, 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 the propaganda campaign, literally to keep people away from hospitals. Because if you do take bad, like I, I know you've had a few incidences recently where you've yeah. been extremely ill and you've had to go and get checked out. But I'm sure the thought of going into a hospital, into that environment, and maybe sitting, waiting for however knows how long on a stretcher, depending on where you are, that actually could make you feel worse mentally uh, in, that, in addition to all the physical stuff that you're going through. So yeah, pen and paper admissions, don't come here if you're too sick, you know, don't, don't pressure us anymore. You know, it's not our job not to pressure them. It's their job to no. help us because that's and what we pay tax and national insurance for. I was just about to say, you know, when I read these articles, but it almost seems to me they forget that it is our service that we pay for. Mm -hmm. They're almost mm -hmm. like kind of gaslighting us and making mm -hmm. us feel guilty. How mm -hmm. dare you be ill and mm -hmm. put, you know, pressure on our precious NHS that mm -hmm. saves lives. How mm -hmm. dare you, uh, you know, wreck that system. Um, and I would say um, uh, for those of regular listeners will know I get uh, terrible tension headaches. Uh each time the paramedic service has been second to none honestly it's been they have been amazing each time but as soon as i have reached a e it has been a completely different matter the service there from whether that be receptionist staff nurses doctors have all been pretty appalling uh so i i know the Reading A&E uh, rather well. Uh, I'm not surprised there are problems there. But the other thing that worries me about this story, it says they're using pen and paper. 
So, you know, are they actually gonna are they actually gonna be able to catch that up on that? Is that gonna go on the system? You know, next time, you know, is somebody have had something serious that needs to go on their rock yard that's not gonna go? Well, it wouldn't surprise me. The level of negligence at the moment in the NHS is terrible. And instead we're just being told, oh, don't worry about our our negligence. Try not to put more pressure on us. Stay at home, Rick, save lives. And don't forget, Natalie, it's our NHS. So be be a bit brazen on it if you must. You know, when you arrive at that hospital, storm in through the doors, march your way yeah. straight up to the reception and say, this is my NHS and I demand to be seen now. I stayed at home to protect it. I banked my saucepans yes. on the on the doorstep on a Thursday night at eight for the NHS. I demand to be seen. Let's see how far <laughs> your NHS ownership actually gets you when you come to a busy A&E department at yeah, some point I, during I, the horrible I, winter months. Ooh. I just I just want to make it very clear that I never clapped for the NHS, not once. <laughs> I was never one of those. But you give me a very good idea now. So I will update you tomorrow. Uh, I will find out what's happening. And uh, believe me, I will. If it, I think I will just uh, have my own little protest because if they've lost my appointment and then, you know, and I've refused mm. to be seen, uh, maybe I won't make it tomorrow. I have a phone call. I'm still sat in the receptionist uh, uh, place. I've chained myself there and I'm telling them that I saved the NHS. I staved at home and I need to have my appointment. So uh, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. If they ever, if they ever, if they ever do that again, okay, uh, my mate has a big transit van and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the local fishmonger, buy a load of fish, drive <laughs> around the house in the States here and those people that are standing on their doorsteps clapping, just throw them a lump <laughs> of cod. They're like seals. So anyway, just thought about that if it ever happens again. <laughs> Oh, or, or I always hear that if you really want to do something horrible to some somebody, uh, I've heard about people like putting fish in like somebody's curtains and sealing it off and they never realise and they can never get rid of the smell. So something if you really want to take revenge and you don't want to do violence, you can always take revenge with Dead a fish. fish. That's 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 our tip for TNT Radio. Make sure it's dead. Though. Make sure it's dead first. We don't advocate <laughs> using live animals. No, no. Oh, obviously, no, no animal cruelty on this show, but uh, just revenge by fish. Uh, so uh, we've got to take a quick break for the headlines, and we've got uh, more stories to cover, including uh, the cardiac arrest in the Premier League on Saturday here at TNT Radio. And here's the news. Extra, extra. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Israel's war in Gaza is now threatening to derail global trade, with four of the world's largest container shipping companies now redirecting their ships to avoid rocket fire and drones in the Red Sea. Slovakia has expressed its concerns over NATO's involvement in Ukraine, and tensions appear to be increasing on the Korean peninsula, with North Korea firing two ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan in a direct show of force against the US and its southern neighbour. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yeah, we're back. Uh, and this was a big uh, story. I actually was watching, um, as people know, I, I'm a big football fan. I happened to be sat down watching the three o'clock scores. I put my bets on. And uh, as it came in, uh, there was an emergency at the Luton-Bournemouth match. Uh, we knew immediately. I said to my boyfriend, I reckon that will be uh, uh, another accident. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, he said to me straight away, I wonder if it's the same guy. 
that that, ha that uh, had a cardiac arrest in May, and it happened to be. So, yeah, Tom Lockyer, uh, he is a Luton defender. Uh, he had a cardiac arrest, uh, but he also had had one in May. So in the, it's the second time this year that he's been taken to hospital. Um, he had the same cardiac arrest uh, in the championship playoff, but he was given the all clear to return to action. Originally, he had atrial fibrillation. Uh, so I'm assuming it's the same. To be honest, it wasn't looking good. The game was abandoned. I thought he had lost his life. Apparently, he is in a stable condition. But I think this is really making people ask questions now. This is the first time after that, the next day in the Daily Mail, which happens to probably be the biggest uh, kind of mainstream paper. This was a massive headline for it to put. Um, it says... Um, why are so many footballers collapsing? There has been a worrying spike in cardiac arrests and stars retiring heart-related issues, but leading sports cardiologist insists it is not to do with the COVID vaccine. The fact that they've got a headline and they're actually trying now to, to kind of gaslight people and say it's nothing to do with the COVID vaccine. If you read this uh, whole article, which I suggest you go and do, it literally says that in the first kind of 18 years, this only happened three times and now it seems to be happening weekly on Sunday they were in incidents with the Napoli midfielder um, uh, someone a player from Rennes also a player uh, Ricardo Gomez in Belgrade that's just at this weekend um, and uh, this cardiologist is basically saying it's the pace of the game now I don't think it's it's just a coincidence Rick nothing to do with a vaccine that they forced all footballers to take uh, it's what do you reckon? Just coincidence that suddenly all these players are having cardiac arrests on the pitch? Well, it's important to, uh, you know, you've highlighted this so many times before. Uh, there's a tendency for certain people to just jump on every heart attack and stroke yes. and premature death and say it's a fax injury. And very rightly, you pointed out that this did happen in the past, although it was yep. extremely, extremely, extremely uncommon. So footballers and young people dying on football pitches is not something unique to the last three years. But I think what's important, Natalie, is now the frequency of it is something that they can't bury this anymore. So this has been actually happening, you know, a lot over the last three years. There's so many compilation videos that have been put together out there, literally 90 minute uh, 90 second video clips of people just dropping constantly live on TV at concerts uh, during sporting events. But what's happening now that's differentiating that is that people like uh, places like the Daily Mail are actually putting a question mark after it, not automatically putting it down to, for example, fatigue or, you know, the fast pace of the game. The people that are defending the jabs are doing that, but the people that are, uh, well, in the know have been suspicious of this for a very, very long time. And unfortunately, as time is passing by, these excess deaths are not going away. Young, fit people dying or taking heart attacks. And in the stands as well, too, Not Don't forget, I know you're a big football yep. fan, and there's been a lot of uh, reports over the last 12 months of uh, matches having to be put on hold while people take heart attacks watching the game as well as on the pitch. So I think you can't cover this up any longer and certainly they have to at least be seen to be asking the question what's causing that you know scratching their heads as if they don't know uh so it's nice to see that it's uh how would you say unhideable at this point in time i i think even uh for people that were really 
pro-vaccine. Um, if you're a football fan, and for people like me who've been football fans for years, this is very, very obvious now. Um, I mean, nine years ago, it said separated Mark Vivian Foe's death at a heart attack at a pitch at Leon. The big one people remember is Fabrice from Amber, and he nearly died at Tottenham. Um, and that was in 2012, I think. Since then, for the people that don't know much about football, there's so many checks. You cannot play professional football. They do this massive cardiac screening. That's been since 1997. They are checked every two years. The Premier League ones, they check them every year. So the people in the past, like Fabrice Mamba, he had a condition that, that, that would have been picked up by a screening. You know, now, you know, they, they're all having these screenings, yet more people are suddenly, you know, passing out, uh, having a cardiac arrest. And there's two big ones. So you've got Sergio Aguero and Christian Eriksen. Now, they both are now unable to play. They're in their 30s and they are trying to claim that, 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 that it was nothing to do with the vaccine. Uh, but they've been professional footballers for about 15 years. So why, if they had a heart condition, Rick, why has that heart condition and they've had a cardiac arrest suddenly now? Now, I don't understand it if you were talking players at 18, 19, but Sergio Aguero and Christian Eriksen are uh, 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 getting close to their retirement. There's no way these super fit footballers uh, should be having these type of problems. And quite rightly, it's now coming into the mainstream media. And I don't want it to happen to anybody else. But I think in the end, uh, it may be football uh, that really wakes people up. Because if yeah. there is another serious heart attack, and if I'd say if there's a death, I think uh, the calls and for investigation are going to be absolutely massive because football is football is our kind of national sport. This mm -hmm. means a lot to people. And if it happens to be a big player as well, um, I think there'll be a lot of petitions and a lot of people getting very, very upset, Rick. Yeah, because uh, the the main thing in this is awareness, and as you said, maybe it's going to take the the country's national pastime, football, supporting football, the amount of millions of people that either go to matches or uh, watch matches religiously on the TV. That's why stuff like this can't really be hidden. If it was just like a more obscure sport like badminton or you know squash, no one's really going to know about it. But the fact that football or soccer in America, they call it, is arguably uh, Britain's national game. Uh, it just means it's getting exposure to so, so many people. So I don't want to see any, I don't want to see anybody injured at, at all, but it's happening whether we want to see it or not. And it, this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back in there's terms a lot of, of waking up the masses. There's a lot of gaslighting happening as well in the media. People are saying it always used to happen. You just never used to hear about it. Uh, there's been so many matches since the COVID vaccine rollout. On a Saturday, I will sit there and so many matches have to be uh, postponed uh, for 10, 15 minutes because somebody's collapsed in the stadium. And I can assure you as a season ticket holder growing up, I was literally like football. This is what I did every weekend. I had never since those vaccines seen someone collapse in the stands, whether that be at a match that I'd been in or on the TV. And they are trying to make out that it is normal. Believe me, as a big football fan that's followed it for years, it isn't normal. And a lot of other football fans are now standing up, even if they weren't anti-vax. And they are saying, hold on a minute, you know, these players need to be protected. And, and so do children, you know, the, you know, new footballers, children growing up. You know, nobody else should have to have to suffer this, Rick. If, you know, this is a direct correlation, it needs to be investigated, doesn't it?
it, it does. And, you know, it does. Maybe this is what it's going to take for that to happen. Uh, and if this is what it takes, then this is what it takes. But uh, yep. the most important thing is that people are aware of what's going on. And of course, these are classic died suddenly or collapsed suddenly. And the screening that you mentioned before that these guys have, especially in the Premier League, is second to none. I'd say they've probably got some of the best medical the best. care or uh, physicians on planet Earth and continue to do so on a regular basis. So but, there's no way they can yep. say, oh, these people weren't being looked after. They weren't being monitored. No, nothing could be further from the and truth. And it happens to be the free side effects from the COVID vaccine, specifically Pfizer and Moderna, which are myocarditis, pericarditis and atri atrial fibrillation. And they are the problems that the footballers are having. So, you know, it, it's hard to say they aren't linked. Uh, best probably to take a break now. But when we come back, we'll uh, talk about another heart story here. And this is about statins. Uh, we don't talk about this very often on the show, but uh, new research coming out, which is important to share. So don't go away here on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack, and it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. If you can't, if you can't see it, uh, the photo they put up, Rick absolutely loves it. <laughs> he thinks it looks like I'm about to kidnap him, uh, me from behind. Uh, but anyway, normal or crazy, I always choose crazy. Who wants to be normal? I say. Mm. Uh, so we were talking about hearts, and uh, this is another story uh, linked to hearts. This is about statins. What have we got here, Rick? Mm. 
Well, this is another article that's coming out in one of these so-called reputable journals. Uh, statins, long-term use of statins. The headline here is long-term use of statins is actually linked to heart disease, according to uh, up-to-date studies. And for decades, though, the opposite has been the case, at least what's been pushed upon the public. For decades, statins have been heralded as the reliable heroes in the battle against heart disease, the leading cause of death in the United States and globally. So more people die with a failed heart than anything else in the world in terms of, uh, you know, within the body. Uh, however, this seemingly flawless reputation has now been called into question. So a new expert review suggests that long-term use of statins may be inadvertently, yeah, right, inadvertently aiding the enemy by accelerating coronary artery calcification instead of providing protection. Uh, the review, which has actually been published in a magazine called Clinical Pharmacology, suggests that statins may act as mitochondrial toxins, impairing muscle function in the heart and blood vessels by depleting enzymes. Multiple studies have shown that statins inhibit, uh, I'm not even going to try and present, pr pronounce this uh, <laughs> enzyme name, it's COQ10, okay, uh, leading many patients to supplement. So basically, Basically, the bottom line is uh, this report that has came out, Natalie, these multiple studies have shown we believe that many years of statin drug therapy resulted in the gradual accumulation of mitochondrial DNA damage according to the authors of this paper. Now, of course, there's legitimacy here. They're qualified uh, physicians. They're qualified uh, pharmacologists, clinic, clin clinicians, call them what you want, published in a reputable peer-reviewed uh, paper. So they're saying it doesn't actually do what it says on the tin. There's a very high probability that it actually worsens heart disease rather than actually saving people's lives. So another big question mark uh, coming out here now, and this is being pushed in medical journals, not just on social media platforms as a as a, as a theory or a so-called conspiracy theory. This this does not surprise me at all. I mean, I don't know where, where I've got my information, but I was always for a long time like, I don't go on statins. Once you go on them, you can't get off them. I've seen to be honest, I've never seen anyone suddenly go on statins and their life improve or their or their stats improve. It just seems to me a, a, a way for big pharma to be making more money. It's one of those people. It's like a placebo, isn't it? People believe, oh, I'm on statins. I'll be okay now. I can carry on not changing my lifestyle, carry on drinking alcohol, carry on eating junk food. And apparently that statin's going to make sure I don't have a heart attack, which is absolute rubbish. It says here as well, uh, doctors readily diagnose heart failure in statin users, but they attribute it to factors like age, high blood pressure, or artery disease. So they're completely ruling out the possibility that statins could actually be the cause. Um, and it says, you know, doctors prescribing these cholesterol drugs cannot ignore the moral responsibility of informed consent which we obviously keep speaking about with the vaccines the researchers wrote noting that patients deserve a full disclosure of possible side effects like cardiovascular disease or heart failure because as we've seen here it's a genuine possibility with these statins i mean i would argue even if we forget about these side effects should people really be put on them in the first place i think there's a terrible culture uh, within the nhs and other western uh countries and and their uh systems where like i mean as i said i've got this bleed in my eye immediately immediately it was discussed well your blood pressure let's let's think about putting you on blood pressure medication mm -hmm. i was like absolutely not that's not happening like like and i'm sure other people would have seen that as a quick fix 
and 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 in the same way as statins it, it's almost deemed normal you know when you ask most i'd say once you get to 50 plus a lot of people are on a hell of a lot of medications i'm 41 years old and currently i do not take one uh, medication from big pharma at all only painkillers if i get a, a a headache but i'm on zero and i go to my friends and most of my friends already in their 40s are on about four or five most of them obviously are antidepressants so again statins is it just one of those normal things now get to a certain age and people think yep yeah, i've got to that age now i need to go on statins rick should that be the way or should they be trying to you know prevent and promote a healthy lifestyle Natalie, the very fact that you could get a job today as a big pharma sales rep and your job would actually involve going around uh, GP practices, selling them your products, and you would be paid commission for that. And of course, the GP, uh, you know, stands to benefit in some way, shape, form from that also should tell you everything that you need to know. It's a business, okay? And there's an old it's adage in the big pharma business that a patient uh, sorry, a patient cured is a customer lost. So if you're on statins or you're on some kind of medication for your blood pressure and all of a sudden you have a change of lifestyle, you don't need them anymore, they're losing business. So the first thing, as you rightly say, well, not always the first thing, but sometimes uh, you'll go to the doctor and they'll whip out the prescription pad. Okay, Natalie, it sounds like this. Here, go to the pharmacy and get that. Or it sounds like this, go and get that. They'll whip out the prescription pad before they'll actually sit you down and say, listen, you know, if you uh, reduce stress in your life, uh, you got an earlier night, uh, you know, you drank more fresh water or you, you got out in the fresh air, you, you took more steps to lowering your blood pressure naturally, then I would need to write your prescription out for anything. Uh, I saw a great uh, quote yesterday from uh, Dana White, who's the president of the UFC. That guy's been under huge amounts of pressure for a very, very long time, and he was becoming extremely ill. He had piled on weight. His veins were popping out of his head, and someone sat him down and said, listen, if you don't change your life, probably you'll be dead within 11 to 12 years. That scared the heck out of him. So he sat down with this person holistically. He's changed his life. He's looking incredible right now, and he says he's never felt better. But the takeaway from that was he said, for as long as I live, he said, I will never go to a doctor again for issues concerning my general health. He said, if I break my bone or I need to have, you know, a leg amputated, of course, I'm going to go to a hospital and get a surgeon to do that. He said, but in terms of general health, my general bodily health, he said, I will never, ever see another doctor concerning that again, because there's alternatives out there that are natural and holistic and they do us a hell of a lot better than just running straight to the pharmacy. Uh, and, and you look at the amount of pharmacies that are dotted around GP's practice, people queuing out the door, picking up bags of pills, people delivering their drones out to people's houses. Natalie, it's nuts. It's I I, I personally, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be asthmatic. I haven't taken any asthma medication now for nine, 10 months at least and, and won't take any again. And you know what? It hasn't made a damn bit of difference. I just walk more now. I'm eating more healthily now. I'm getting more fresh air. I'm less stressed out now. I'm trying to be less stressed out by just getting away and uh, isolating my myself now that's done me more benefit than puffing away on uh you know inhalers twice in the morning and twice at night i'm not saying that by the way if you're out there and you're on medication i'm just talking about me personally i'm not giving yeah. medical and, advice here yeah. but for me i ditched them and it's done me no harm whatsoever oh uh, uh, yeah i would like to say there are lifesaver medications if you're type 1 diabetic yes. Yes. if you stop yes. your medication tomorrow you're going to die if you Correct. have an infection uh, that is going to kill you, you need to yeah. take antibiotics. It's yes. as simple as that. There are 
the medications out there that are absolutely necessary and for we're yeah. not saying for a second that all big pharma medications are not necessary mm-hmm. i would say it's more the longer term ones that they push on you um and i would like to say as well blood pressure wise yes i have the bleed in my eye which has been caused by stress i have had a lot of stress in my life but my my i've managed to get my blood pressure right down not through mm-hmm. anything i didn't need to take any medication um i've changed my lifestyle what i'm drinking mm-hmm. what I'm eating, trying to get more sleep, all of those things that that, that, that you were saying that that is not uh, is what advised when they go to you. If they can, most of the time they will suggest uh, putting you on some type of pill. And the only other thing that I was on was the contraceptive pill. So they said that does raise blood pressure. So I'm not on that now. So the only thing is, hopefully I will not have a baby because that is not what I will like to have. So I have to have a son. We need you here, uh, right? Was- no, no nine months maternity for you. No, I'll have to be working all the way through. No, it's not going to happen. But if it reduces my blood pressure, it is worth it. So again, tell people, have these conversations with your friends and family. It's, you know, it's not just about us here speaking about it. People don't know about this type of research about statins. I talk to people and they just seem it. Oh, yeah, I've got to that age. I'll just go on it. Let them know. Let people in your family know that this new research is about. Uh, That's the only way. Word of mouth, real talk with real people. So, uh, yeah, let people know about this new research. What should we go to next, Rick? Um, um, 61. What? Yeah, let's go with that one. Yeah, the, the yeah. Libya story. Yeah, because we were covering uh, last week, it was a breaking story about one person, uh, a migrant that had died in the English Channel, uh, trying to get from France to England. This time, 61 people uh, were found dead shipwrecked off a Libyan coast. Now, it it barely made the same type of news because it was in Africa, basically. So uh, there were some survivors, 25 people were taken afterwards to the detention centre, but they were all trying to cross uh, the sea in order to get a better life. But that's a lot of people and that's barely made any news, has it, Rick? Yeah, again, location is very, very important. One person dies in the English Channel and uh, everybody's all over it. 61 people die off the coast of Africa at Libya. Uh, it doesn't make the news. I think last year as well, there was uh, there was ter- two really massive tragedies happened where there was over 100 people uh, drowned when they were trying to cross from Africa yes, across to Italy. Do you remember that one? So yeah. uh, if, it had ha- if this had happened in the English Channel rather than off the coast of Africa, I think this is all you would hear about uh, for the next five, for the rest of this week uh, in our news. But of course, uh, because it happened so far away, it seems to be brushed under the carpet. But it also highlights the importance of dealing with this issue, not just because, you know, we're coming at it from the angle of it's going to, we don't know who these people are. Why are they really coming here? They're draining our resources, draining infrastructure, maybe, maybe in invading our army according to some people who knows but they're human beings and i think it's very important to stress that and they've died uh, pursuing their dream of settling down somewhere else or doing whatever when they reach their country of origin but now there's 61 of them dead and that's as a result of you know government acceptance that when they arrived when they were going to the place that they were going to that they would be accepted and probably housed and of course they would have paid money to the people that were ferrying them from A to B. And those people, of course, have let them down horribly because they're all now dead. So it's a people trafficking organization, first and foremost, yeah. Natalie, aided and abetted by the government. And unfortunately, in this case, you've got the, you know, over 60 people dead as a and, result and, of it. So, you know. 
important to note there were women and children this wasn't a boat full mm -hmm. of uh, um kind of uh, working age men this mm -hmm. was women and children as well uh mainly from nigeria gambia and other african countries the thing about this story that i thought was interesting we say it's often hidden in plain sight uh rishi shunak has made comments about uh this particular incident he's gone on to say illegal immigration threatens to overwhelm europe and hinted a change is needed in international law to tackle it speaking to uh italian conservatives at an event in rome the prime minister said Enemies could use immigration as a weapon to deliberately drive people to our shores in order to destabilise our society. That's a direct quote from Rishi Sunak. If we're talking about hidden in plain sight, he's literally telling you why he's allowing those illegal immigrants in. He's saying if you let too many people in to a country, it will destabilise our society. He knows that. He's just told it. He's got a quote. Yeah, he's not closing the borders. So, you know, you've got to be a, you've got a question there. Uh, if why if he isn't doing anything and he knows that's the answer, why exactly is that? And is, as we said before, is it because they want to bring in digital ideas a solution later on? Are they making the problem so they can find the solution themselves? It's really strange, actually, if you uh, check what he's been writing or the person who's been writing on his behalf on a social media accounts over the last two weeks, Natalie, it's almost like he's trawled through the average, you know, anti-establishment, anti-government, so-called right-wing extremists accounts yes. and postings for the last two years and condensed them and made them a little bit more fluffy. So the stuff that we have been banging on about for the best part of two years now, can you believe it? It'll be two years coming up in uh, January. Yeah. We've been talking together on our, the stuff that yeah. we have been maligned for and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, slandered for now. At this point in December 2023, the Prime Minister, unelected, mind you, Prime Minister of uh, UK, uh, Rishi Sunak, is actually coming out with the same kind of statements that we have been making and a lot of other people have been making for the last uh, two years. So it's quite bizarre to see it coming from his account. And it's not a parody account. It's actually the verified account of the, you know, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak coming out with statements like that. It's like we're shrugging our shoulders here going, that's what we've been saying for the last two years and now, now old Rishi's coming out with it himself. And is it because they're trying to make the Tory party look incompetent to call an early general election? And mm -hmm. can he get away with saying these things because they feel they know Labour will get in? You know, or as we Strange, said, is it because it? it's, it's very odd. Um, uh, but I'd also say this particular one, if you're coming out with statements like that and you're literally telling the public that by having too much illegal immigration, it will destabilise society, but then you're not doing something about it, that that to me is showing that there's a sinister element to it anyway. Don't make statements like that and then don't solve the problem. Or as we said, is that the whole point? Is it hidden in plain sight and they are trying to tell you we are doing this deliberately because we do have a solution in the future and it, and it obviously will come in the form of digital ID mm -hmm. and monitoring. Uh, uh, I think I said uh, last week he also was saying that he wants to make... Um, 
uh, accessing social media um, illegal for any uh, under 16s. Well, of course, there's only one way to implement that, and that will be digital ID. You'll need a digital ID to to get onto social media. Um, It seems a lot of the uh, problems that Rishi Shunak is now complaining about all have the same answer, um, which, of course, will be the end game of digital ID. So, yeah, so just watch what he's saying. Take it with a pinch of salt. Um, I, I don't even believe, like you said, it's him saying it. It feels a little bit like he's been told to say it for mm-hmm. his puppet ma- from his puppet masters for you know uh, uh, another plan, Rick. It, it does, and also uh, if you're if you stay tuned in the next hour uh, during the lockdown loaded show, I've got two guests on. The second guest, uh, Kate Fantnell, she's going to be giving us a breakdown of the huge push for digital ID in Australia that's going to be undergoing uh, in 2024. So it's not just isolated to one particular geographical area. Either. This is something everybody in the world needs to watch out for. Yeah, stay tuned. Keep listening to Rick and I will see you tomorrow uh, at the same time of 9am. I have been Natalie Chill. This has been Open Line on TNT Radio. Bye-bye.